Welcome to the Broadcasters Roundtable here on Flyers Radio 24-7. Boy, it's been 20 years since the Flyers went into the playoffs as the number one seed, but after sweeping the round-robin teams, Flyers beat the Eastern or open the Eastern Conference quarterfinals as the team to beat. They get Montreal in the first round. With our latest Broadcasters Roundtable, Tim Saunders with Steve Coates, Jim Jackson, Bill Meltzer, and Chris Terrian. Flyers were 3-0 in the round robin, allowed only three goals against in those three games, and uh, obviously have earned the top seed in the East. Guys, uh, overall reactions, uh, what surprised you the most, Jimmy, about the round robin game? Well, really, with the, the, the way they did it, I, I, I'm not shocked they won all three games. I thought they were capable of winning all three, but they did so with such precision and uh, only allowing three goals to three really explosive offenses. Uh, and it's not like they eked out any wins. Uh, they weren't dominated really for a long stretch third period against Tampa Bay, but I think the Lightning were throwing everything they had at the Flyers because they were down. So uh, it was just very impressive. I, I guess there's some out there who feel because the Flyers were the fourth seed and were feeling like they weren't given much hope, they had more motivation and were more driven and were playing harder. But really from day one of uh, of summer camp, if, if you will, the training camp too, Lavigno made no mistake about the fact that he was using those round-robin games as preparation for the actual playoffs. So it's not as though the Flyers went into those games with, we got to win these or anything either. I thought all the teams probably had pretty much the same approach to them, and the Flyers were the best team. There's no question about it. Coach, so you said going in that the team that managed the unknown the best would have uh, success immediately. Uh, was that part of the Flyers' success, you think? Well, I think Alan Vigneault is the, uh, he's the, he's the person that makes this thing run on and off the ice. He's created the atmosphere. He's created the culture. And the players have bought into the culture, so they understand now what he expects of them. And so handling the unknown is just part of the equation. And the, the way that they, to go back to what Jimmy just said, the way they played, the only problem they did have was the third period against Tampa Bay where they were on their, they were on their heels. I mean, that team, was they were spent. And they were very fortunate because the way they know how to play in their own zone when they are being dominated they kept the puck to the outside, and they got the save from Carter Hart. But that unknown, there's a long way to go now because now we're down to the nitty-gritty. We're playing in the playoffs, and they're staying in that bubble, and it's going to get a little boring. So it's going to be get tougher and tougher for all the coaches to keep people interested. Andy, that was kind of a bend-but-don't-break approach to that third period the other night. They really didn't have that many great secondary scoring opportunities. Uh, yeah, they had great puck possession. Uh, maybe had the Flyers on their heels, but they still defended well. They did. And, you know, it's funny, Timmy, when you look back at this team, and I, I, I try to make a, my own evaluation of what's changed for this group, and I think the one thing that st stood out to me, and you, uh, you guys you kind of alluded to it in the, in the, uh, the way you just asked that question, uh, they defended, they keep things to the outside. But the other thing that's been really good with this team, and I think if you, if you, if you haven't thought of it or don't notice it, they don't give up odd man rushes. Uh, I know Kucherov had like that mini breakaway the other night, but they don't give away the big two-on-ones um, that they were given up in the past, like years back. Or uh, Those plays, when you give them up, give the other team such offensive momentum that you get yourself in a real bind really early in hockey games. And they don't give up those big chances. They keep things to the outside. 
They do a good job, even when they're in trouble, because other teams do have heavy pushes during games. But I just think the way that they've executed through that uh, and stayed with it through, you know, for the bulk of periods, uh, very professional approach to it. But they've done a great job in a sense of really, really limiting the middle of the ice and taking away the big two-on-ones or, or three-on-twos that, that can really hamper what you're trying to do offensively yourself instead of giving the other team momentum. Billy Melter, what was your big takeaway? Well, uh, you know, I, I didn't shock me either the Flyers won all three games, but I think that the depth of the team really showed in the fact that, listen, if we would have gone into the round robin and someone was to tell you that Couturier wouldn't get a goal and Giroux wouldn't score and Konechny wouldn't get a goal and Hayes had, had a bunch of assists, but he didn't get a goal either, you know, and Provorov didn't score. If you were to know that and, and someone was to tell you the Flyers would win every game by multiple multiple goals, probably that's going to be kind of tough to do. But the, they got contributions up and down the lineup. A couple of goals from the fourth line in the first game. Um, you know, the, the blue line stepped up with a key goal from uh, Phil Myers and then one from uh, Sandheim in the, the Washington game. That's kind of how the Flyers got it done all season. Nobody's numbers really popped out this year. This wasn't a big year like, you know, like the roof this season. But you know, the Flyers were up near the top in, in goal scoring. And the, the depth of the lineup absolutely was a crucial reason for that. And the, the other side, and that and the, the Bundy alluded to, is that uh, you know everybody in the team back checks, and even even like in the even like in the game against Tampa Bay, when the Flyers had some problems clearing the zone in the, the latter part of the third period, they would turn a puck over to the point, but everybody would get reset. So there, you know, there was uh, it was almost like a penalty kill. If you get out of clear, you get you get your troops reset, and you know, they still weren't they still weren't getting a lot of grade A opportunities in there. And it was also, listen, it was also a little, little bit that way also in the in the latter part of the Boston game. And it, it's not uncommon if you have a team down by a couple of goals for the third period to be a little bit tilted because you have all the goals you need. And if then there's an opportunity to attack or turnover or something, then uh, then then you do that. But I mean I, I think the Flyers handled those three games about as well as you could, you know, as well as you could draw up. You guys referenced the the depth that this team has. That's really the strength of this club, uh, no matter who they face next or beyond Montreal, if they're able to get beyond Montreal, what makes the Flyers difficult, dangerous team to face is the depth they do have. Yeah, there's no doubt, Timmy. I mean, you, you, it, the numbers that you talk about, they got no power play goals. That means a lot of your top line guys aren't necessarily scoring. They weren't doing it at five on five either. I would say the top line went up against some really good lines and nullify them so it's not as though the top line players were playing poorly but they weren't contributing offensively in terms of actual production and getting goals so uh yeah this depth is i mean we know too we've been around a long time coachy bundy we've all been here a long time the, the flyers have been for many years certainly through the lindros years and even even through after that the forsberg and then with Richards and Drew lately it's been a one-line team maybe a little contribution from a second line but this is truly a four-line team and uh, you know a really good top four defensively, too, in terms of and if Shea Gostisbehere looks as good as he did in the Tampa Bay game, they, they can put together a really, really good depth on defense, too. So, yeah, a lot of weapons. You need that. Guys are going to go down. Injuries are going to happen. Perhaps one already has with Jake Voracek. So you, you've got injuries that are going to happen. This is a war of attrition, these playoffs, and the Flyers appear as well-equipped for that war of attrition as we've seen in many years. Let's talk about that top line because you're right uh, we don't know the severity of Jake Voracek's uh, injury how long he'll be out uh, Joel Farabee plugged in very well there I thought that last game 
there were a lot of first line versus first line matchups. And yeah, you could point to the fact that the first line really didn't score, but they shut down some of the biggest scorers on those teams. Is that where the Flyers have an advantage there in that uh, they might have the best defensive first line? I mean, yes, Patrice Bergeron centers that perfection line for the Boston Bruins, but Flyers' top line can contribute in huge ways even when they don't score. Yeah, I think you're right, Timmy, uh, you know, in a sense that when you look at the way that the Flyers have played, I mean, you're getting two goals the other night. They were actually, the Flyers were that, uh, the empty net goal the other night by, uh, was it Pitlick? It was Pitlick. 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 From having the first playoff game in history where only rookies scored in the game. That's how close they were to that event taking place. So uh, that speaks very much to the depth of this team. But the problem is for the opposition is, yes, you know that Couturier is in is, is your top player. Uh, Giroux's not found, uh, you know, his offensive game uh, as the top line. So when you're on the opposition and you're focusing for what to, and who to game plan for, your focus is going to be on Giroux, Couturier, Hayes, Lott now because of the way they're playing. The problem is for game planning is you never, ever will talk about Nicholas Obey-Kubel. You won't. That's the way hockey goes. I've been in locker rooms for many, many years. He's a He would be considered a depth guy by the players that are reading the notes on the, on the sheet before the game or you have your presentation. So in credit to, the, to Nick – nobody's paying attention to him, which means there's open ice, which goes back to the fact that I think the third line could be the most dangerous line in all of hockey because it can be left unchecked. It can be left untethered to go out there and just play hockey. And I think when you have a guy like that playing or other players can pick up the pace and start scoring for those top lines, it is a really, really tough job for the opposition to game plan for that kind of scenario. And I think that's why I'm not as concerned with those top line guys Going off on uh, going off offensively because they're doing such a decent job in their own zone as well. They're not hurting your team in the process. Coach, <laughs> you've loved this kid, Abe Kubel, all year long. Uh, he's been your favorite. Uh, he was as good in that first period the other night as I've ever seen him. Well, when you take a look at this kid, he's and we all talk about the guys that Chuck Fletcher brought in, but Abe Kubel, he's a hockey player. This guy comes to play, understands that. He's got to go to the tough areas. And we're seeing an element that we didn't see in the prior times where now he can actually play hockey as a skill as, as compared to being a fourth-line right winger and going out and doing his job or a third-line right winger and doing that. And it's so exciting to watch. And, and the development of this kid is my screen is falling off. Uh, <laughs> uh, but... I want to get back to what Bundy just said about third and fourth lines and how Kubel makes this so much better. It's about the team. I would take a team that plays as four lines, three sets of defense over a more skilled team. A skilled team, especially the way it's front-handed loaded now as far as first line, second line, that's where it ends with the Boston Bruins, first line, second line. It ended. Our third line and our fourth line beat the Boston Bruins. I think that our third and fourth lines have been be better than Boston, Washington, and Tampa. And that's how this is all going to play out because this team works as a group. Obey Cabell is just part of the equation that's made this team better. And they all understand now that, you know what, sitting around in the locker room, we're pretty damn good. And might be different on a night-to-night -night basis. Who contributes? 
The other day it was Obey Cabell. And I don't believe that in the next round you're going to see the cream come to the top, the Jeruz, the Voracek's, when he does get back in the lineup. Connect me. They'll be there to be able to help the cause. I also had something about uh, Elaine Vigneault and the coaching staff. You know, they're even though the team was undefeated in the uh, in the round robin and they had a, a pretty good camp and they won the exhibition game against Pittsburgh, they keep pushing, you know, because they know that the level you have to play gets higher and higher and higher. And there's also an equality to it as well. Um, you know, I remember the end of uh, the end of training camp. Um, you know, we were talking with Mike Yo, and Yo was talking about Obey Kubel, and he said, "Yeah, Nick had a Nick had a pretty good camp." But um, there's a higher level to his game. He's got to get to that level he was showing at the time of the pause. And in the practices leading up almost to the, to the start there, he was splitting fourth line reps. Um, and then, you know, then they moved him up to the third line. He's really excelled there. Or take, take James Van Riemsdyk, right? There's a guy who's an established scorer in the league, um, you know, 25 to 30 goal a year guy. And uh, he was scratched a game, you know, and that was, Yes, they wanted to take a look at Connor Bunneman too, but but you know if James Van Riemsdyk is playing up to his capabilities, Connor Bunneman isn't playing over him in a given game, and, and just that the competition that they foster within the lineup and the way they hold guys accountable, I think, and the team buying into that too as well, that that's been huge. And it's again, it's not just the rookies. Sometimes you know, sometimes it's uh, certain guys on the team and not the more established guys. That's everybody. Everyone in that lineup has to be accountable for their play and, and i think that they've uh, they've all bought into that internal competition they keep talking about is being huge and that's gonna push everybody if you're healthy av's got a good problem because he's got some really tough decisions to make you throw in connor bunneman on that fourth line that was pretty effective so given that billy you brought up james van reemsdyke i think we all know and av's not been shy about saying there's another level there that he's not at yet what do you do with James? How do you light that fire on him under him and get him going without taking him out of the lineup? I think I think in the interim he's going to be on the third line. I mean, if you have James and Reams like on your fourth line, that's really not a role that he's probably going to be effective in. He'll get he'll get his power play time. He'll he'll skate in the third line, which which worked for him during the regular season. He got some easier matchups, and that that played to his benefit. I thought. Um, but yeah, you know, if if he's not playing, if he's not playing up to capabilities, they will they'll move guys around. Um, the way that the way that uh, Scott Lawton's been playing, you're not touching him off that second line. So you know, and certainly Giroux is playing first line left wing. So you know, that, that's JVR spot right now is that third line, and that's his job to to keep or to lose as he as he plays. I like what he said there about keep or lose. It's very simple to go back. This is very. Go back to how Vigneault runs the show. You want to play on my hockey team and all the ingredients, the offensive zone, the neutral zone, the defensive zone, uh, grit, go to the net, all the different elements that makes you a hockey player. doesn't matter who it is. If you don't do it, we got a two-month situation. Now down to a month situation to get the job done. It's not going to matter who it is. If you don't play, you're going to sit. So you're going to see multiple opportunities for different players because sooner or later people are going to falter as this time goes along. Bundy, uh, veterans get a longer leash, but in the playoffs that leash gets shorter and shorter, even for vets who maybe don't have it the level of their game where it should be. Yeah, and, and I love it, uh, Timmy. You know what? There's there's enough youth in this league. If you look down the lineups, I mean, there a kid last night in Columbus scores the uh, 
the second goal, he's a 20-year-old for, for them. I mean, there's so many young guys in the league now that the veterans just, they're almost at the point now, they've, they're becoming to getting to a point where they almost have to be excellent every night because you'll make coaching decisions that are for the benefit of the team. And A.V. doesn't care. I mean, that was one game. You know, if you look at JVR in that first game that he played, um, I don't want to say he was bad, but he wasn't as engaged as you have to be if you're going to try to win a Stanley Cup and you're a top scorer. So, but A.V. recognized him. He saw that. So everyone else saw and said, you know what, we got to make changes. We just don't have time for this right now. So, yes, there's going to be certain veterans like Sean Couturier or Matty Niskanen that are going to make mistakes and you're going to, you're going to live with them. I mean, because you understand the value that they bring to the table. But this is a time now that the one thing I do see uh, the Flyers team, and again, this goes back to coaching and to the veteran group, um, you have to, I would think, being in the situation they're in, they're going to have to really buy in to everything that's going on because it's you and your buddies and nothing else. You'll have your coaches right there to make sure you're engaged. So uh, you understand that you're living in the bubble is like being very much like a family. Uh, you're in those hotel rooms. You go to those lounges at night and just hang out as a team. So I think from that standpoint, everybody understands that it's a next man up at, uh, mentality, but this is a unique situation that you have to be accountable to every other guy in that locker room. Uh, and if you're not, uh, it's next guy up because there's not a lot of time right now. It's it's let's get the win. Let's move on, because I really feel this Flyers team, the way they're playing, they can do special things here if, if things keep breaking their way. Jimmy, there was a collective sigh of relief when Travis Sanheim reappeared after leaving the game for a short time the other night. That's one of the hidden strengths of this club is suddenly this young blue line uh, is pretty solid. And Shane Gossespierre is knocking on the door, trying to force himself in. And Robert Haig hasn't done anything to play himself out of the lineup. Ghost is hammering at the door, though. Yeah, it's really, uh, there's a lot of that going on. As, as Bundy said, I don't know if JVR was awful in that one game, but he didn't make his presence felt. And this team is to the point now where you have to make your presence felt in order to keep your lineup spot. That's a pretty good situation for a coach to have. Shane Gossespierre is a wild card. I mean, this is a guy who, uh, obviously was playing hurt. Uh, we didn't even know. It ended up with two surgeries, surgeries on both of his knees in the same season, although it's been a long season, granted. But bottom part is, uh, this is a guy who feels as good as he has in quite some time, and he could be a wild card for the Flyers. And uh, that is just the kind of depth they have to have, uh, and they have to have the next man up, uh, as, as Bundy said, because you're going to lose people. It just It is going to happen. There are going to be injuries. You're playing a lot of hockey. It's going to be intense hockey. I will say my biggest concern going into this series really is the level of intensity because the round robin was not the same intensity as the other games. I'm sure you guys are watching all these games. The, the qualifying series had a, just an extra edge to them, and Montreal's been in that already, and the Flyers haven't. So it'll be interesting in game one to see if the Flyers are able to step their uh, pace up. I, I wanted someone to ask uh, A.V. Uh, after the, the Tampa game, uh, what he thought of the round robin in terms of was a regular season caliber? Was it playoff? Was it maybe somewhere in between? Because I just in watching, and it's tough. Hey, there's no fans, but it's tough to gauge these things. But just in watching, I don't know what you guys thought. I thought the round robin games lacked just a little bit of that playoff edge that those other games had. Yeah, the yeah. urgency wasn't quite there. Uh, yeah. Coaching, does that happen automatically? Is that a given that they'll immediately get to that now that they really count uh, to keep your season going? It's very easy to answer that question. In the round robin, it didn't matter. You were going to continue no matter what. Now every game means something because there's an end to it. 
So now you're into a situation playing a four out of seven that you've got to win. You have to be able to provide that to win the series. In the round robin, Boston lost every game. Did they care? Probably did. But in the, the long run, they were going to continue on. So that kind of backs up what Jimmy said, where the intensity wasn't there because there was no back end. There was no finish. Here there's a finish. Either play or you go home. Yeah. So my question, my question is now with these rookies, Bundy, uh, and Carter Hart, who is, is one of the playoff rookies, is it all over again as we start this series? Is it new to them all over again because there is that extra tension that maybe there wasn't in the round robin? Yeah, good question, Jimmy. I think from the outside, from them getting used to the experience, that's already done with, right? They're used yeah. to the bubble, the hotel, coming back to the rink. That whole process was was really good for the young guys to understand that. Uh, I completely, that's why I was trying to jump in to, with both you and Coatsy, Jimmy. The one thing that happens now is, right, when you leave the rink, whether you win or lose the round robin game, you go home on the, on the bus, you go home and have pizza, maybe a couple beers or whatever, and you relax. It doesn't matter. Now when you go to the rink, it's, and trust me, Coach, you know this from being in playoff series, even the other, you guys from feeling it over the years too, from the players' feelings, um, it's different. When you go home now and you lose a game, you have to sit on that for a couple of days now, right? Where now if you lose one of the round robin games, which, you know, I talked to Chief uh, Barubi or St. Louis and, you know, he played Jake Allen yesterday. It wasn't a lot of worry in that last game. So you're not going to see that in a playoff game. So the intensity is going to be ramped up. But now there's emotions that become part of this where the round robin um, and, and what you said, Jimmy, they looked a little bit like regular season games on, on steroids to a degree. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's kind of what I felt like. Good intensity that the pace picked up what it had to. But now it's a different feeling when a young guy who maybe it's Farabee, maybe another guy who didn't have a great game in a playoff game has to go home to the hotel. And that's hanging on you for a little bit of time. So you've got to absorb that and then be able to regroup for the next game. And that's him. Process. The the importance of special teams, of course, get amplified in the playoffs. Uh, the penalty killing's been outstanding. Uh, power play, not so much yet. Billy Melter, is that any reason for concern for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, just because at some point you're going to have to you know, probably win win a couple of games on on the strength of your on the strength of your power play. As you said, the penalty kill was outstanding throughout the round robin. It was uh, really pretty good all year. Uh, power play numbers for the season were ended up decent, not great, but uh, you know it was definitely definitely a roller coaster ride, which is which is normal to a degree. But I think I thought the Flyers were you know ran a little excessively cold at times. It concerns me a bit that um, you know the Flyers. If you look at the season series against Montreal, were oh for the season series on the power play too. So it's not gonna it's not gonna get easier. I mean the Flyers are gonna have have to execute. I I think that the power play is an area that uh, they're gonna work on quite a bit at practice here. Um, throwing some different looks at the Canadians, maybe getting maybe getting one from your second unit, take a little pressure off the top unit, um, you know. But I I think that 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 is one of the things that that concerns me going in. And we already talked about getting getting a little bit more out of your you know first and second line guys in terms of goal scoring. You're, those are two things I think that they're going to need to advance in the playoffs. And I think that that's something that's going to have to be corrected sooner than later. Well, one of the great storylines going into this series is the matchup in goal. Carter Hart, the up-and-coming kid, I call him a kid. He's not going to turn 22 until Thursday. He goes up against the guy he idolized in one of the great goaltenders in this league. Uh, Montreal, that's the X factor for Montreal as far as I'm concerned, is his Carey Price, the Carey Price of old, the one that he that showed up against Pittsburgh in that first round. 
Beyond Carey Price, though, Montreal can still be a dangerous team. They don't have a lot of high-end star power, but Jimmy, they'll grind you to death if uh, if you let them outwork you. You're going to have trouble. Yeah, just just ask the Penguins. I mean, they they absolutely. I mean, the first game of that series, absolutely, Carey Price stole it, right? But as that series moved along and you watch those games, the, the domination the, the Penguins had in the, in the first game kind of just basically faded away. I thought the Canadians were playing the better hockey by the end of that series and deserved to win it. I think what the Flyers need to do, Flyer fans need to do, all of us need to do is throw out the fact that this is a 12 seed, throw out the regular season. In this bubble, these teams are developing their identities in some ways all over again. And this Canadian team has developed an identity of a scrappy team. We, we haven't seen that from Canadian teams a lot of late, uh, but they, they are a scrappy team. They've got a couple of young players who are really emerging, too. And then they have Carey Price in net. And they also have three defensemen in particular, Weber leading the way, who have been really playing well. So that, you know, this is not... Flyers cannot go into this thinking, oh, we got the top seed, so we kind of get a break here in the first round, and and it won't be a break. And, and working in the Flyers' favor is they haven't won in the first round since 2012, right? So they have plenty of motivation here. They should stay sharp. But I can understand the Canadians should not even be here if you look at where they were in the regular season. But if you watch the way they played against Pittsburgh, a very dangerous opponent. Russ, do you guys want to weigh in here on Montreal and what you expect from the Habs? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, first of all, Shea Weber was an absolute horse. You could see when you watch him play in that first series against Pittsburgh why he was so sought. He was unbelievable. He's big. He's strong. He's tough. He's got the big shot from the point. He was a big leader, and he is the captain and the leader. But I'll tell you, you can really tell what's going on in Montreal when you see Max Domi as a fourth-line center. Yeah. That kind of pretty well tells me that, wow, that is some move to have him playing fourth-line center. He has always been one of the top forwards that they've had. Now they got Nick Suzuki as their number one guy. I mean, they're going to be hard, and they're not very big. But, boy, I'll tell you what, they're going to be scooters, just like the old Montreal Canadiens, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be like swatting flies at times. And they're, and you know what else, too, guys? Just looking at them, too, and watching a little bit of their games the other night, they, they're a very deep team, too, in a sense. They're not maybe as, as like the Flyers say, where you go all the way down to the fourth line, but even going down to that third line with, uh, with Lekkinen, uh, Deneau and Paul Byron, that line's got speed. Uh, they got some veteran uh, veterans on that line. That's just the third line. So you talk about Domi. Dale Weiss is still playing. That's unbelievable to me. <laughs> Offense to Dale, but yeah, I mean, he's he's in the line. Slash there, Bundy. There was a slash. If. <laughs> right. Right. But anyway, but, but my point is, is that they have six good D, four very good ones, and they have a very good top three line with, you know, Domi playing on that four. So. They're no joke. I mean, they're no joke. And the way that, you know, you guys are talking, it's not a classic setup against the one and eight. If the Flyers don't win the three games that they just played, then they're still the four seed most likely. Or maybe they, they catch the Capitals, but Boston still has an 11-point lead in the East. So, yeah, throw out the seedings. It's a couple teams going at it, and, and it's gonna, it should be an interesting series. More interesting than I think people think it's going to be. Well, it's pretty much going to be an every-other-day series starting Wednesday. Flyers and Canadiens meet in the playoffs for the seventh time in their franchise's history, and the Flyers look for their first playoff win since 2012. With our latest broadcasters' roundtable for Steve Coates, Jim Jackson, Chris Terrian, Bill Meltzer, I'm Tim Saunders. Enjoy the games. 
The preceding program is an original production of the Flyers Broadcast Network. You can find this and other programs available on demand at flyersbroadcastnetwork.com.